This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay, and I am so excited to bring you a couple of London Marathon recaps here on the podcast. Today's episode is 278, and I'm talking with Naomi Mitchell. Naomi is a runner from the UK. She recently, this past weekend in London, ran a 2.33, placing 14th in the race. Her PR before the race was a 2.37, so it was a pretty big jump for her. Um, She's going to share with you all about her marathon progression in this podcast. She's 26 years old and has been running her entire life, really, but recently started pursuing the marathon pretty hardcore since 2008. So this is a pretty recent progression, and she is on the path to some really exciting times in her running So yeah, so fun to talk to Naomi and get to know her a little bit. Big shout out to Charlie Watson, the runner beans, for suggesting Naomi to come on the podcast. Hey, I want to let you all know, if you don't already know, I have started a parenting podcast. It is a fun podcast where I talk to different parents and different walks of their journey, as well as experts and just a place for other people who are walking through parenthood to connect and we have a great Facebook group going on as well. It's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? If you're a parent, I don't know if you're anything like me, but that is something I say in my house all the time. Uh, Props to my sister Shelby for naming this podcast because she also named I'll Have Another as well, which is pretty cool. Uh, But definitely go check it out. I would love for you to check it out. It is the same style of podcast as this one, so just interview style, and uh, I'm finding my footing, figuring things out, but we have three episodes up already. One is with Emily Candrelli. She is the woman behind Emily's Wonder Lab. She's a scientist, so we talk all about communicating science with empathy as well as encouraging our young girls to get involved in the world of science. It's a great episode. Emily is so fun. We also have an episode with Katie Crenshaw talking about positive body image and Bianca Dotton, who is a NICU mom, and she walks us through her life as a NICU mom as well as life after loss. And I have so many other great episodes uh, teed up for that show. So it'll drop every Tuesday. Make sure you go check us out and find us on Instagram and Facebook as well for that Facebook group. Okay, cool. Well, today's episode is sponsored by Prevenex. That's where I get all of my multivitamins, supplements, and also protein powder as well as kids' vitamins. You all should check them out. Their Joint Health Plus is amazing for runners. It prevents joint pain and also soothes joint pain if you're already experiencing it. It's clinically proven to work. Check it out. Go to Prevenex.com slash another and use the code another to get 15% off your order. All right, that's all I got. Leave us a rating and review. Subscribe, all the good things. Check off those action list items, if you will, if you're enjoying the show. Uh, Enjoy my conversation with Naomi Mitchell. 
Well, today on the podcast, we're talking with Naomi Mitchell, who just ran the London Marathon in a great time of 2.33. Congratulations and welcome to the show, Naomi. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How are you feeling? How are you recovering this week? Yeah, feeling really good, thank you. Uh, recovering pretty well. I mean, it was the the conditions in the race and the race was pretty brutal, but um the last few days have been good. Legs are recovering well, so feeling good. Well, I want to hear all about the race, but I first just want to get to know you a little bit, and I want the listeners to get to know you. One of my friends, her name's Charlie Watson, and um, she's British, and she recommended having you on the show. <laughs> do you know Charlie? Uh, I don't think I do, actually, but then I, I have so many people that I know like I follow on Instagram and know, but don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent for sure. Um, but she sent me a message and she said, you should think about having Naomi on your show post London. She had an amazing race. So, um, I Very just, kind of <laughs> yeah. So can you just share with us a little bit about your history with running? Because I've looked at your progression and it's just pretty amazing that four minute <laughs> PR this race, um, taking your time down from three to that 237 in Frankfurt this fall to the 233. So um, can you just give us a little bit of history and your backstory? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I've, I've been running for years, years and years. I'm 26 and I started when I was 11. Uh, but it's always, it's just been something I've always loved to do, but really nothing that I've took really seriously probably until a few years ago. But um, yeah, since I was 11, I've been going down my local track and doing a bit of track and a bit of cross country. Um, and really, I kind of got to the age where I was at university and I was all ready to kind of pack it in. And, mm. um, you know, like you start your job and you've got you're doing your exams and you think, oh, I'm not going to be able to fit all this in. So really, I decided, well, if I enter a marathon I'll have to train for it. Yeah. Um, that's going to keep me going. So that's what I did. Basically, I had I had a couple of friends um, where I live who would had also just started doing marathon training and, and were really um, getting some pretty good times in it. So I thought, well, I'm going to jump on that bandwagon and um, entered the London Marathon in 20, 2016. Uh, and just loved it. I just loved the going out for all the training and how you could like clear your mind after work and then put in the hard sessions and just went from there really. So I've, um, yeah, I've had times ranging kind of from like three hours down to my last, uh, the 233, but I've loved training for all of them really. Yeah. So, okay. So your debut marathon was 254 in London in 2016. Yeah, that's right. My my first one was two fifty four. I I didn't really know what I was doing, and I and I just I knew that I could maybe run around three hours, and in the last few miles, when I knew I was going to do it, and it just I was just feeling awful, but I was just had a massive grin on my face because I knew I was going <laughs> to I knew I was going to do it, um, and it was probably one of the most painful kind of final half an hours of my life. But um, got round, loved it, and then just couldn't wait to do the next one really. Yeah. Okay. So you run your debut marathon 254. I mean, you know, you just ran that 233. When along this journey, you know, in the past four years, did you realize you had the potential to run really, really fast? 
Uh, <laughs> good question. Um, I mean, the first couple I did, like I said, I was really just doing it to kind of keep myself focused and involved in the sport. Um, I probably did, so, yeah, probably 2016, 17 and 18, I, I did London every year and that was kind of my just my main goal each year. Um, and then after doing a few, I thought, well, you know, I... I mean, if you look at my times, they were all within a, few, a couple of minutes of each other. And I thought, well, if I really want to progress with this, I need to get myself a coach, a marathon coach, who can really help me and let me know what I really need to do in terms of my sessions. Um, so, yeah, it was about 2018 that I uh, approached a coach at my club who was um, a really decent endurance coach, and he kind of helped me in the right direction. Um, and so it's really been just the last two years that I've been been working on really getting those times down. Wow. Yeah. I'm just going to share your progression here. I have it listed here sure. so that listeners know. So 2016, <laughs> Naomi do, debuts in 254. Um, 2017 in London, she runs 249. And then in 2018, you run that 301. Yeah. Okay. Super hot day. <laughs> it was a hot day that year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then a year later, 2019 she runs 237 in Frankfurt and then this past weekend runs that 233 so I mean the jump sounds like when you ran that 301 were you probably in shape for around a 249 ish where you were the first couple years yeah I think I, I was in fairly good shape but you know when you you've been training so hard and you know what time you want you go out at that pace yeah and when it's about 15 degrees <laughs> hot, hotter than you expected you're not going to be able to do it so I kind of shot myself in the foot a bit on that one but yeah I was probably in shape for a uh, 248 ish yeah yeah okay so then you decide to hire the coach and then you we really see a year later we see that massive progress you run that 237 yeah so you that's Frankfurt what were your goals with Frankfurt and were you know were you trying to crack 240 and kind of what was your line of thinking like I just want to see what where I can go with this new coach and this new training regimen yeah so I mean so I'd done a year with one coach locally who had kind of helped me with all the basics and just getting my uh, volume and, and training up and then I moved to a new coach in the May uh, last May 2019 um, and they really kind of just said to me, look, I know you can go under 240. Uh, I know that you've got the base there. You just need to kind of crack that threshold running and, and get some really good key sessions in and learn your pace and you'll be able to do it. So together we kind of aim for that 240. Um, and Frankfurt's a crazy one because it's so in the city that there's no, you can't really load your GPS or anything. So mm. you run it a bit blind in terms of, your pacing so I just went out and did what I could and that's the time that I came back in with really well you're really on an exciting progression now I mean such big leaps and bounds um do you feel like that was you know to get to the 237 in Frank Frankfurt that was like one big step forward and then now with London this year with the 233 you've taken another big step um like what are your sights on mm. Yeah, I mean, definitely that. I think that the jump last year was much harder than mm. this last few mm -hmm. months. I think once you kind of get into the groove of your training and know what you can do, you can really start to see progression quite quickly. Uh, I mean, looking forward, obviously, there's there's not many races on at the moment, but I'm, if there was to be an Olympic trial or something like that, then 
then that's what I'd be going for. And I'd probably look to go for that qualifying time um, or a sub 2.30. I mean, really, I never really think about times that much until you, I get to the race. It's just all about uh, steady progression, really, and keeping healthy, keeping fit. That's really smart. Everybody take notes on that one piece of <laughs> advice right there, not focusing on time, working on that progression and staying healthy. Um, I'm curious though. So you said you ran since you were 11, like, were you running in school athletics? And I know it's different in the UK than it is here in the United States, as far as like running collegiately and stuff. I, yeah. I, Back in the day, probably a year or two ago, I interviewed Charlotte Purdue, and she kind of explained all that to us um, on the podcast. But, yeah, were you in, like, club team settings? Yeah, so I I did um, do some running for my school. But, yeah, mainly in the UK here, you run for your local club. So I live in a town called Reading, so I'd run for Reading Athletics Club. Um, And they would have, like, a Tuesday night and a Thursday night clubs nights that you'd go down to and then races kind of maybe once to twice a month so yeah I mean I wasn't doing anything really on top of the basic uh club nights that were available but I would just kind of I just really loved the uh, environment and going down and seeing my friends so I kind of ticked away at that for a good <laughs> 10 years <laughs> before I decided to really you know step up my training did you win a lot like were you one of the best athletes out there fastest I should say no definitely not I I did my first race when I was I I think I was over 10 or 11 and it was a local race and I won it okay and I told I told my parents I was going to the Olympics and they told me that was probably going to be quite difficult so I cried (laughs) (laughs) um and since then I mean and then that's when I joined a local club and realized that they were right and actually there's some pretty good girls (laughs) out there um and yeah I mean I was I wasn't really placing anywhere I was I was delighted the day I got a top 100 at our national cross country um but yeah I mean I don't I don't discount those achievements though because to me at the time that was such a good achievement to get top 100 and it it spurred me on for the next challenge really Wow. Okay. This is so exciting to see like where you're going to go because you're still so young at 26. I mean, you look at a lot of athletes who end up taking the marathon on, and a lot of times they're racing five and 10 Ks for, you know, for a lot of years in their twenties before they start tackling the marathon. So it's exciting to see like at 26, you've already laid down that, that 233 that you just, (laughs) just put down. I'm curious what kind of mileage jumps did you make when you um, went up to the, you know, 237 in, in 2019 and then to the 233 in 2020? Yeah, so I'm, when I first started the marathon, my mileage was probably around, I mean, it was before I started, it was about 30 miles a week. And then I went to, a, I kind of built that up to about 60 miles a week for my first few marathons. Um, by the time I was doing 237, I was probably working around, the 90 miles a week mm-hmm. and this last build probably around closer to a hundred and um but yeah it's been all the, the years that I was running kind of 248 249 consistently I was just slowly building up that volume um I kind of knew in the back of my head that I was I could run quicker and I just needed it all to come together so it wasn't so much just one year that I, I jumped up that mileage it was just a a slow and steady progression 
Yeah. Okay. And you work full time, right? What do you do for work? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I'm a chartered accountant. I work in pensions, checking people's uh, pensions and accounts. So very interesting stuff. <laughs> so how have you managed to balance all that with this? You know, I mean, assuming you're running such high mileage weeks now in training, but I'm assuming you've also added in lots of other things like, you know, massage work and strength yeah. training and all the additional things you have to do to not get injured. So how do you manage your time? Yeah. So, um, origin, so I've been doing this job for, uh, since I was at school actually, because they, my company sponsored me to my degree. So I've been doing it for a number of years. Um, originally I was working, uh, in quite big corporate clients and working quite long hours. So it was a couple of years ago that I basically said, look, I, I need to work from home <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm going to train or I need to not commute as much. So my work were really good with helping me find a department where I could work from home. Um, and that was obviously the, just this kind of nine months before I ran that 2.37. So that change meant that I could basically uh, sleep more. Mm -hmm. um, I could run at lunchtime or go and do strength and conditioning at lunchtime. Um, so that was a big change. Um yeah, so they've been really helpful in that capacity. That is huge. I mean, we, I think, you know, a lot of people are working from home now because of COVID, but, yeah, you know, my husband has, so he's been working home from home since March now. And it's like, even though his commute was only 25 minutes there, it's like, okay, you round that up to an hour for the full day, right? And, you know, yeah, exactly. getting, you know, getting all dressed for work and things like that. Like there's just so many little things, like amounts of time that add up when you're going into the office. I am, if, if it's attainable, I am all on board with that work from home life. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite funny actually, because I, I kind of always felt like I could do my job from home and I had to really convince my bosses that, that, that was something I could do. And then obviously now with COVID, it's everyone's doing it. And I think they've realized, um, that, yeah, it's, it's definitely doable. And I was right, but, um, it's, it's definitely a shift in attitudes that's happened recently. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Some jobs, obviously some people have to go in, but, and then of course, yeah, like the camaraderie of being in person is probably helpful in a lot of jobs too. But even I told my husband, even if they do go back, I'm like, well, you should at least work from home two or three days a week. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. That, that saves you a lot of time. One more piece I want to get into before we really talk about London is that I saw you're a vegan. So have yeah. you always been vegan? And yeah, I'm just curious about that part of your life. Yeah, no, I haven't always been vegan, but I've been vegan for as long as I've been marathon running. So nearly five years. And I, I did my first marathon four and a half years ago. So um, yeah, uh, it's funny because a lot of people really question if it's a disadvantage to mm -hmm. my marathon running. But actually, I started it because when I was thinking about getting into marathon running, to me, it felt like just a quite a healthy lifestyle to adopt and something that would be another part of my uh, training. So it's quite funny that the different perspectives people have on it. Is your husband vegan? Yeah, we both um, decided to start eating vegan at the same time. So we yeah, did it together. So much easier if the person you live with is on the same sort of diet track as you. <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. I remember when I first did it, so I made the decision just before Christmas and he couldn't bear to tell his mum that we weren't <laughs> going to have turkey for dinner. So he, he waited until January um, to do it. But um, yeah, definitely us doing it together. It's just a, a normal, our normal weekly shop now. It's, it doesn't seem like anything that we have to really put effort in for. Yeah. So I want to know what your answer is when people say, how do you get enough protein? <laughs> I think that's a really funny question because, um, so I was never a big meat eater anyway. Um, and my husband, he never liked uh, things like cheese and, and milk and that kind of thing. So for us, it was almost, it was more important for us to kind of develop a, like make a decision and develop our, um, diet because we weren't thinking about it much at all before we actually went vegan. So probably our protein intake prior to it was probably a lot worse or at least, not as healthy as it is now mm-hmm. um because and to be honest over the last five years there's been a huge change in what's available as well so you used to have to kind of rely on your tofu and your nuts and and that kind of thing whereas there's it's really readily available just to get lots of kind of protein uh, I guess like meat replacements now yeah yeah for sure what's your go-to like get back from a 20 mile long run like what's your go-to source of food to get into your body like right away um I like to have a, a chocolate milk so obviously a, a plant-based milk mm-hmm. um so some of that and then um I don't know I, I'm quite a fan of having like cereal or something that you can just get eat quite quickly and then you can go and shower and then make a proper meal um yeah I'm, I'm not a big a huge fan of kind of uh you know like protein bars or that mm-hmm. kind of thing I like to just have a a proper meal as soon as possible yeah and do you do soy milk is that your milk choice yeah it is it's the one with the most protein in it so that's the one I would go for if I could and it's the cheapest (laughs) yeah yeah I know some of some of the vegan like is it oat milk it has like no protein in it yeah they're much kind I I guess they're they're kind of having more of a water content and what it comes from is doesn't have as high a protein content but um yeah, I also find some of them are a bit too fancy and you're paying quite a yeah. lot of money. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> I just go for the supermarket version, which ends up being the most protein anyway. Uh-huh. Hey, friends, a quick break here to thank Lily Trotters for supporting this episode of the podcast. Lily Trotters is my longest running sponsor of this show. I'm so grateful for their support and they truly make the best compression socks on the market. They have tall compression socks as well as shorter compression socks. I love the crew length. They are so cute and comfortable. I wear those all the time. Uh, They're fashionable. They're functional. Whether you're traveling, not that anybody's traveling right now, really. (laughs) Um, You're a new mom. You're a new runner. You're a longtime runner. There are so many reasons that Lily Trotters could be a good match for you. Highly recommend it. Check them out, lilytrotters.com. Use the code ANOTHER at checkout for 25, 25% off your order. That is a big discount. And that is off regularly priced items, friends. Also a good gift idea to the runner friend in your life, for sure. All right, this podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. Make sure you check out our other shows the Up and Running podcast with Lauren and Abby, the Illuminate podcast, and the new podcast, Why Is Everyone Yelling? 
Okay, let's enjoy the rest of my conversation with Naomi. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about London specifically. Crazy, right? Like first, first major race, you know, post COVID and well, during COVID or whatever, first one of the majors to actually run a race and um, all the pros were allowed to come. I'm I'm interested in how that process was. I want to know like how you got accepted to get into the race and, and all that. Yeah, well, for me, it was such a strange one because I obviously I was I was one of the well, I was the slowest uh, person going into the race. Were um, you? So, yes. Yeah, so I was always on the borderline as to whether I would get a place or not. So I was at we had a, like one or two very small local races that were going ahead. And then there was this huge London Marathon. And I for weeks, I didn't know which one I was going to be running, basically. Um, and so. Yeah, I was just, I basically, I knew I was in shape for about 2.33 and that's what I had let the organisers know was, look, if, you, if you're if you kind enough to give me a place, this is the time I think I can run. And fortunately, they trusted me and um, gave me that place. Uh, obviously, the women's race was a slightly smaller field, so it was probably a little bit easier to get a place than maybe uh, in the men's one. But I was very fortunate. <laughs> yeah, how many people um, started the race, the women's? Um, I believe, so I know in the week before it was that it was down to about 25 women. So it must've been about that number that started. So, and you placed 14th, right? Yeah. So did you feel pressure? Like, ah, like coming in with the slowest time, like, I don't want to be the last person on the course. I mean, it had to be weird to have literally no other runners other than the pros I mean not that you run with the everyday athletes anyway as the as a pro but still I mean it had to be strange yeah I mean it was nerve-wracking I I had visions of of just being at the back from the start all the way around but really I I didn't mind that because I was just so happy to have been given the opportunity to be there and I knew that I was in shape to run a PB myself so all I had to do was go and execute it um on the day and I knew that I would be happy so I was just it was such a extra kind of blessing to actually get to race the race rather than just run run at the back on my own so worked out really well tell us about the course I know it was loops and I can't imagine doing those (laughs) 20 laps I can't imagine doing those loops for a whole marathon. Was that difficult? Um, yeah, I mean, mentally it's super tough. I did a lot of training on loops and um, I I kind of had it in my head to to do it. I wasn't thinking of it in terms of mileage. I was thinking of it in terms of loop, laps of three. So it would be one loop, I'd focus on the race. One loop, I'd focus on my drink. One loop, I'd focus on a gel. And then I'd start at the beginning again. And I had like little tricks to try and make it seem shorter than it was but it's definitely tough and particularly in the weather and it being quite spread out you had to kind of be mentally tough for it yeah so did you have to count laps um yes it was it was 19 just under 20 laps 19 and three quarters um but there was a big board at the finish line which had all of our names and the number of laps to go so you could look up and see where you were because obviously the the front runners could be lapping the back runners. Yeah. Okay. So would you ever do a marathon where you had to do laps like that again? 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, I would. I really enjoyed it. I think it was because I, I do a lot of training on my own or just with my husband on a bike in front of me. So to me, it was it was kind of just reminiscent of my training. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I did, I'd like it to. I'd love to have like a bigger field doing the similar kind of race, so there were more pacing groups. But I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> what about with the lack of spectators? Yeah, that was tough. I mean, particularly for me, because I found myself in a position kind of after about 16 miles where I was for the Brits, I was leading. Mm. Um, and But I didn't have a coach there or anyone I, I knew there. So I feel like, like I would have really benefited from having some people to cheer you on. And I'm sure everyone else would as well, because, I mean, it was so cold and you almost... <laughs> started to like you just got so cold it was hard to function never mind like focus on what you were doing so that was one of the toughest things really yeah so was your husband allowed to come to the race at all I, I'm interested in the COVID bubble and like the rules surrounding that like two weeks before the race and everything yeah so th- some coaches or uh managers and staff were allowed to come for some of the athletes but um uh, because I it was my first elite race and I mean I hadn't really done anything like that before I I wasn't allowed um a coach or a husband or anybody so I was just there on my own um but even those that did have people with them it was a very a very small number of people that were allowed in and then what did you have specific rules going into the race like did you guys have to take a test right before the race yeah they we had we all had a couple of covid tests uh to allow us to get into the hotel in the first place and then allow us to to go to the race um and we had to all observe social distancing in the hotel as well um with we had these little devices that would set off an alarm if you got too close <laughs> so oh um, i heard about that yeah <laughs> so it was very bizarre and um you really had to learn to love it because it it could be quite frustrating but I mean, it did its job because it was so annoying that you didn't dare to go anywhere near the other people. So, um, yeah, so there was a lot of restrictions in place and they were really careful to make sure we all got to the race so, like, healthy it... and go ahead, able to run. <laughs> go for it. So it would like beep if it detected that you were within six feet of another human? Yeah, it would go. It would it would do like a a quieter alarm, and it would flash blue if you were within a I think two meters, and then if you were under that, it would set off a like a flashing red light and a louder alarm. So <laughs> you had to get quickly move away to stop it. And so, like, how did, how did that work with like checking into the hotel and stuff? Because I feel like when you check in, you're closer than six feet to the people working the desk. Yeah, so I mean, we were all given different days and times to arrive. So I, some of, so for example, like the American athletes would have probably arrived from. I think Sarah Hall said she arrived on the Monday, mm-hmm. whereas I only had to arrive later in the week. So um, yeah, uh, we were all we all got there at different times, and there was there wasn't really hotel staff checking us in. It was London Marathon um, events who were really in charge of kind of getting us all into our rooms and things. So it was all really well set up. And so then did that affect how you were able to do like your pre-race rituals and, you know, running days before and things like that? Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I was fortunate because I only had to go on the, the Friday, um, providing that I'd 
uh, isolated at home for the rest of the week. So for me, it wasn't too bad because I would have only done one or two very easy runs. At, well, I did only do a couple of easy runs at the hotel, but I, I imagine for the ones that had to be there for the whole week that it was a very different environment to what they would normally be doing the week before a race. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about the weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, um, I thought, you know, it wasn't going to be too bad because the temperature wasn't too cold. It was, I think it was above, well, maybe nine or 10 degrees it was forecast to be. Um, so I obviously turned up as most of us did just in our normal kind of crop top and shorts, not expecting it to get that cold, mm. but it was, the rain had forecast to be light rain and it ended up the whole day just being pouring with rain. So it was like having a cold shower for two and a half hours of running. So we all just ended up like it, it really did. Um, some of us really did suffer quite a lot from the cold. Yeah. Break down your race for me. When did you feel good? When did you feel bad? When were you um, knowing that you were on target to run this time that you had in your head that you you told the organizers you could run? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think the first 10K... Um, I made the decision that I was going to go with the group that were going for the Olympic qualifying time, which we have of 2.29.30. Um, I knew that that was a, a huge stretch, but if I didn't go for that, I would be just starting on my own and finishing on my own. So first 10K, I sat with that group and felt really good, um, which was great. Uh, I did make the decision to kind of sit back a bit after that and slow down a little bit because... Um, I felt like I was I was getting a little bit tired and I didn't want to overdo it too quickly. So I sat back a bit until about halfway. And then after that, I I just decided it was time to start moving through the field if I could and catch back up with that group because I noticed some people were, were struggling quite a lot with the cold and I didn't want to assume I was going to come behind them just because they are fast. They had run faster times than me. And so I, I kind of worked my way back through the field and I felt great until about 20 miles where I, I think I was still vaguely on on the the pace for that group at about 20 miles. But yeah, as the last six, um, I mean, we all said it afterwards, like our hamstrings were, just felt so very tight because it was so cold. Um, and it was hard to really concentrate in those last kind of t- last 10K because it, it was just so, so cold. But um, yeah, I, I'd say I never really suffered from the kind of hitting the wall or like the lactic that that is so familiar with the marathon it was more just the fatigue of having run in the rain for so long that that got me in the last few miles and I think it was the same for most people really well that must feel kind of exciting then to know that you didn't hit that wall that you've probably hit in the past yeah um I yeah I was I was originally disappointed because um so for me I was the the British champion I was four seconds behind her so ah. obviously obviously immediately I I thought oh, oh. I I've, I could I could have done that I didn't I didn't feel like I hadn't hit the wall I I could have maybe made up that time um but then on reflection I think well actually the fact that I that that's how I felt means that hopefully there's more to come in the future yeah especially if it's a nicer day totally um, yeah what did you know in the race that she, that the champion, the British champion, was four seconds up? Yeah, so I was lead, I led her um, for a few of the laps, um, and she only came past me on the last lap. So I knew 
I think she gained about 10 seconds on me and then I took about six seconds back. So it was in that closing lap that I I realised that I that I had slowed down quite a lot because of the cold and actually I needed to focus back again and try and catch back up with her. Um, but yeah, uh, we were on that last lap, we were always within a few seconds of each other. So it was a uh, fair play to her for holding on for the last yeah. little bit. Are you friends? Do you know her? No, we hadn't met before. Um, we're of, like of, we chatted a lot now after mm-hmm. the race, and mm-hmm. it was um, yeah, it was it was an interesting conversation because we were the only two that um, that worked. So she had a, she had just gone to working part time, and I worked full time. So oh. it was it, it was an interesting conversation afterwards that that we'd managed to hold on to get first and second because neither of us had expected um yeah. in the british contingent to be able to do that yeah because you're saying most people are their full-time pro athletes yeah yeah what do you what do you think about that like do are you do you think you'll seek a sponsorship or i mean to a time like 233 and you're 26 and it's like your progression is just you're kind of mm-hmm. seems like on the beginning of a really big progression still so is that something you're interested in um, I mean, for me, I think as long as you, I can, I think that the least, like the less I can change one at a time, the better. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't want to just kind of quit my job or, or look for uh, like endorsements or sponsorships where I don't need it because it, it helps me kind of balance the rest of my life. And it helps me balance my, my training times when I have something else to do. Um, definitely I'll probably look to, maybe go part-time in the future uh, and I'm certainly taking it seriously in terms of going for that um, Olympic qualifying time but yeah I'm just going to take it one step at a time really and not rush into anything. Yeah Um, what do you tell yourself in marathons when you know when you have the moments of doubt at like mile 17 and you're like oh gosh what's going Mm -hmm. on here what do you tell yourself? Um, I mean, I like, I I like to think of like key sessions or or things that I've done in the build up that have gone really well, because one thing after a race, if it hasn't gone so well, is it's always horrible to go back to that, the place where you remember you did a 20 mile long run Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it went really well, or you think about the, like, I don't know, the five K's and the 10 K's you did in the build up and your kind of Tuesday nights in the pouring rain running around a field <laughs> doing 400 meters trying to improve your speed so I, I like I, I like to kind of ref, like have like a few key things in my head that I can think back on and and after those sessions I felt really confident in myself and just kind of get that confidence back in the race and remind myself that this is my chance to to bring all that together yeah it's that age-old saying trust your training <laughs> yeah exactly yeah tell us about your husband and the support he provides you I heard you say that he rides his bike alongside you on a lot of your long runs yeah so I'm I'm really fortunate because so he's a hairdresser and um I don't know you can probably hear it now actually there's a hairdryer in the background I can't hear Um, it (laughs) okay good um he he works from home um and but that's really good for me because obviously when I work from home it, it means that he can take time out in the day when I do to come and help train with me. So he does a lot of my easy runs with me. Um, he, and he, he, he comes out on his bike so he can go ahead and pass bottles to me and things like that. Um, 
yeah, so it's just really great to have him because I actually, the group I train with is actually about an hour away from me. So mm-hmm. he, without him, I, 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 there's not many people that I do train with. But he can like run pretty fast too, right? Because didn't you say he accidentally <laughs> got himself in shape for a sub three hour marathon or something? <laughs> yeah. So when I ran, um, a few, yeah, a couple of years ago, he was training with me so much that he basically did his own marathon build up. <laughs> <laughs> so we entered him into the Brighton Marathon, which is one uh, in England, uh, not too far away from here, which you can normally get quite a good last minute entry. And he, yeah, he, he'd actually been had a little niggle and he hadn't run for a few weeks. And he said to me, oh, what do I need to do to run a three hour marathon? And I said, oh, you need to run about 6.50s. So he just went out and set his watch to 6.50s <laughs> and ran, ran a 2.59. <laughs> oh my so, yeah, it's the yeah, very jammy. <laughs> He's going to have to work really hard, though, to get to be that 233 training level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure he quite has the same motivation as I do. He just like he just likes doing it for the fitness, but he's definitely a great person to have. Oh, um, that's so good. Coming out with you. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, is there anything from London that you, like, found interesting or different or just anything from the course or the whole experience that those of us watching you know on tv or whatever wouldn't know oh I'm not sure really I mean obviously for me it was the first time I'd really raced a marathon rather than run a marathon it's a very different environment to um the ones I'd done before where you're just in a, a huge mass start and you're one of thousands and someone will call out your name and you look around to see if, if, if you know the person that's cheering uh-huh. for you um, and and also obviously I'm used to having lots of guys that can pace me that are about my pace whereas yeah. obviously in this race it's a uh, women's only so yeah it was a very different experience uh, it was the first time I'd had like bottles uh, bottle stations mm-hmm. that I could use because I, I hadn't been in an elite start before so it was a very different experience um but yeah, I mean, we, I think it was quite clear from that race that we, it doesn't really matter what level at you're at, you can still suffer quite badly or you can still perform really well. And it's it's all about the mental attitude, really. Yeah. So when you ran the 237 in Frankfurt, you were with the regular old Joes out there, weren't you? Yeah. I, I Yeah. Like, um, I, I remember having to jump over the barrier to get uh, get into a spot where I could start reasonably near the front because I'd I left it too late and they did, they closed off the little barrier to let you in and <laughs> and uh, a man kindly kind of hauled me over the barrier to run with near him so it's definitely a different experience to London. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I imagine what is in your bottles? What do you use for um fuel on on the marathon during the marathon? Um, so I had, um, the Morton, um, carbohydrate drink with mine. Um, I, that's something I found hugely beneficial over this build actually is obviously in, in the mass races you have water, but there's not really much of an option to have carb drinks unless you carry it. Um, and as someone that doesn't, um, stomach the gel so well, that was really great for me to be able to have that. Um, and it really helped me, um, and then some of them have orange juice in just for a change of pace. <laughs> orange juice. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. I've never heard anybody <laughs> use orange juice. Have you? Like, have you um, ever heard so, anybody else that does that? So, um, I hadn't, but actually I noticed one of the other girls um, had some kind of orange drink as well in the race, which surprised me. The only reason I put it in is because the year I ran that 301 in London, 
and it was awful. At about mile 22, there was some oranges available and I had one and I remember thinking that's exactly what I needed <laughs> right then. It was just, um, and so I thought, you know what, I'm going to put a little bit in these bottles um, wow. and see if it has the same effect. And I mean, it probably doesn't do much, but it's a little bit of sugar and a different taste after you've had the same gels over and over. So, so interesting yeah. to me. Okay. Th- so does Morton have gels? What kind of gels did you take? Yeah. So I had, so they do gels that are just standard and they have ones with caffeine in as well. So I had their normal uh, carbohydrate gels. I had a couple of, a few of those. And then I had one with caffeine in as well later on in the race. I like to have one. I have one caffeine gel about half an hour before I start the race and then okay. one, one about 20 miles into the race. Really? Okay. How many gels total? Four? Um, yeah, I, I had five with me, but I didn't have one of them. Um, ideally, I would probably like to take on more like five, but um, I struggle with gels a little bit. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people do. Stomaching them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're going to wrap up with end of podcast, but Charlie, the runner beans, my friend, she wants to know where are the good places to run in Reading? Well, <laughs> good question. I run... Um, I actually run out of Reading towards, there's a place called Henley near us, which is really nice, like along the river and it has lots of good trails and paths and things. So that's where I run to. And then I run back, back along the river to Reading. Um, Oh, and is her name, the runner beans, is that her name on Instagram? Because I do know her. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) it. I just didn't know what her actual name was. Yeah. Charlie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I definitely know, know her. (laughs) Oh yeah. Cool. Well, this has been so fun to hear about your experience and your progression and what an exciting future you have ahead of you. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it's a blast. Do you know do you know what's what's on your radar? Like do you have a sight set on doing a spring marathon? Yeah, I'm that's definitely what I'll work towards whether there's an Olympic trial or not or whether that's just something local. I'm not sure yet, but I will hopefully hopefully we'll all find out soon ish and then i'll make my decision nice okay naomi what's one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet i'm really into music Mm. um i play the guitar and i love music and one thing i've always wanted to do is learn to play the drums which my husband is not (laughs) particularly supportive of (laughs) but that's something i would love to do really (laughs) yeah how long have you played the guitar um I have played it for a number of years but I wouldn't say that it necessarily showed (laughs) (laughs) just it's something I kind of taught myself and it's something I do in my spare time (laughs) do you sing too um a little bit um so I go to a church and so I actually sing the only time I sing is for that but not otherwise (laughs) really are you like like do you lead worship yeah, um, probably about once a month, I would. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Do you play your guitar up there too? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's not particularly impressive, <laughs> but I do it for the, it's the sake of, you know, we need more musicians in our church, so I do it. <laughs> oh, and for the love of it, because you love it, right? Exactly, yeah. That's great. What's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Um, I mean... I'd say probably that um, taking those 10 minutes of my marathon BB at Frankfurt was was really something that I was super pleased to do. Um, I'd, I'd had an injury 
a whole year before that and it was the only injury I'd ever had so it was just great to be able to come back and then and make that step um outside of running probably passing my accountancy exams Mm. (laughs) because they were pretty brutal yeah what is the best most recent book you've read um I've recently read a book um it was it's by um, Oliver Sacks. I don't know if you know him. He's, he was a neurologist. Um, he wrote a book called The Mind Eye, and it's lots of little stories about different people who navigate life after they've lost, like a key ability, like mm. ability to read or like recognize people's faces and stuff like that, and how they kind of rise to that challenge. Wow. So that's a book I I really enjoyed recently. That sounds good. Okay, who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you would like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Um, I don't know if they're particularly any of those, but one person I'd like to meet is um, Liam Gallagher. I don't know if you know Oasis as a band, being yeah. American, but yeah, British bands like that I'm really into. So that's something I that's someone I'd love to meet. I'm also a a Tottenham fan, so Jose Mourinho is is currently the manager, (laughs) and they're doing pretty well, so that would be another person. I don't know who that is. (laughs) I definitely know Oasis, but I don't know who that is. (laughs) My husband went to an Oasis concert a few years ago with my dad. (laughs) Oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah, they were here in Indiana in, in the States. Oh, it's very fortunate because they they are they are no more. Well, I say <laughs> but, uh... a few years ago, but I'm thinking it could have been like ten years ago for all I know. But I know for sure <laughs> yeah. my dad or my husband went to an Oasis concert. Yeah, I mean that would have been. I never got to go because I was I was a little bit young when they sure. um, were a massive band. But I mean, I would love to. So definitely jealous of your dad. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, he definitely got in on the tail end. I'll have to look and see when that concert was, when they actually went. I feel like it was in Bloomington, maybe. Uh, what were you going to say, though? Who was the other group? Oh, I was going to say the other person would be Jose Mourinho. So I'm, my the football team I support is uh, Tottenham Hotspur, and okay. they've got a new manager who's um, kind of notorious um, for his managing style, but we're doing pretty well at the moment, so... <laughs> He'd be a good person to meet. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, cool. Well, Naomi, what is your one message you want to send to the world? Well, I mean, as a Christian, I would say, you know, the Bible says love your neighbor. So to me, that means, you know, show kindness and respect to everyone. And that's everyone, no matter what their walk of life. It's not exclusive to any one type of person. So in this kind of COVID world, love your neighbor. That's so great. Naomi, thank you for doing this on the fly. Um, That's all right. Yeah, the listeners are going to love to hear all about London. And now I'm so excited about your career. So congratulations and thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Naomi, for coming on the show. Naomi is on Instagram as Naomi dot Sarah with an H dot Mitchell. You can find her over there and learn a little bit more about her training and her progress. I am on Instagram, Lindsay Hine 626 on Twitter at Lindsay Hine. And we have a Facebook page and group as well. Just search. I'll have another with Lindsay Hine podcast. All right. Well, we've got another London marathon recap coming up right behind this one with Tristan Woodfine. He is a Canadian athlete who just set the Olympic standard. It's a fun one. Also placed 14th in the race as well. Uh, Don't forget to check out Lily Trotters, lilytrotters.com and use the code another for 25% off as well as Prevenex, prevenex prevenex.com. Use the code another for 15% off 
All the information that we talked about today will be in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. I'm grateful for each of you. Thank you for being here and we'll see you next time.